0: Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on the, this whoa, whoa, with-
1: The longest running podcast? Come on, we don't got redos here, we're live. We're the longest running
0: EOS podcast. You now no, you, you skipped EOS, keep going. <laughs> it's been a while, guys, it's been a while. <laughs> Welcome back anyway, and uh, happy Labor Day weekend to all of the Americans out there. Hope you're celebrating, having a good barbecue, spending some time with friends and family. Uh, before we dive into this week in EOSIO, I do need to let everybody know that Zach and I are just talking about our opinions about open source software and nothing we say should ever be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional or any other kind of advice. If you listen to people online with what to do with your money, you will likely get, get wrecked. wrecked. And if you're here joining us right now on the live stream, be sure to smash that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. So Zach, uh, what we got going on this week? I, I think I think
1: uh, you brought the news, you surprised me on Monday. Um, so fr- last Friday, y- y- we didn't have this in our notes. I-, I knew it was coming eventually, but you announced that Cipherglass is going to be launching their DSP very soon. I didn't expect yeah. you to uh, say it last week, but I knew it was coming. Uh, and then the-, the other surprise was you did a bullish podcast on basically Liquid Apps, which I, I appreciate that. But uh, it'd be cool to get a heads up next time, so like <laughs> <laughs> we-, we get like a tweet ready or something. Uh, but but that's that was the uh, the big news for me personally because I've been I've yeah. been trying to. Convince you to launch a DSP for for a while now, uh, and I know you've been pretty bullish on uh, Liquid Apps, so I'm I'm happy that you did that. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? We kind of over I don't want to say we overdid it because we're both super bullish on it. I work for them. Uh, yeah. th- we This is like everything Li- Liquid Apps and Dot Network this week because oh man, I'm going all over the place. Uh, on the Bullish podcast, it's different than everything EOS, but we, we had a lot of uh, Liquid Apps content. Let, let me let me that get out nice. of this mess here and
0: get into the actual news script. You,
1: you threw me off here because I threw you off at the yeah, beginning.
0: We're every... excited the, the actual DSP will definitely be launching this year at some point, and we'll have a bunch of different services to help out DApps. We already have a couple clients lined up as well, so we're excited about it and excited about the potential not just to scale EOS, but to help scale pretty much every other blockchain as well, uh, assuming the Liquid Apps team pursues that. Do
1: so, you, you actually have a, a, a DApp you're involved with uh, planning? to deploy
0: to the mainnet any any time now huh yeah that's right dmail is uh, gonna use it for some really really cool features Um, there's a whole automation suite coming and a lot of other exciting stuff that pretty much any uh, crypto business on eos can use for customer retention and and all kinds of other really neat stuff so we'll have more to share on that soon as well
1: Uh, the other thing i didn't even put in this notes i don't don't remember if i have liquid up stuff at the end so i'll mention it now uh, moonlighting, I'm pretty sure they, they launched softly uh, on, onto the EOS mainnet and uh, u- using some DAP network implementations to help them scale uh-huh. to their 700,000 users. Uh, I, I, I think it happened. They were doing like a go or no go like every day for like the last week. I, I, I'm not 100% on this, but if I'm incorrect today on Saturday, within the next couple of days, I don't know if the holiday weekend it will be deployed. Uh, they're not planning to have a big announcement about it though, because the whole point of uh, their EOSIO implementation on moonlighting is the users shouldn't know they're using a blockchain. They use email, password, or ID to, to log in. They never have to manage keys or anything. Everything happens on the back end. They've got several hundred thousand users, and uh, the transactions are, are being hashed all, all to the main net. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'll I'll try to get. Uh, Uh, some of the Moonlighting guys actually on a podcast. I I talked to Ramon from Blockstart and investing with a difference. Uh, His team contracted this enterprise project, their implementation onto the EOS mainnet. And uh, I think they're, they're, they're willing to, to come on for, to discuss it because this is, as far as I know, the largest application uh, d- deployed to the main net. And, and it's, it's amazing that they're like, doing it quietly. It's not even a big deal, it's business as usual. They're just making their business more
0: secure, more auditable, um, oh, definitely. replayable. Ultimately, that shows the power of the Dapp network, where you can take 700,000 users and instead of having to pay the several hundred thousand dollars it would cost (laughs) to give all those people EOS accounts, you can give them Liquid accounts instead and still get all the benefits of putting everything on-chain, so it really just makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some news also, though, on the EE proxy. If you haven't already and you're looking for a proxy to proxy your votes to on the mainnet, You can proxy your votes to eeproxy.info. And a huge shout out to all the people out there that have proxied their vote to us. We're now up to 840,000 votes. I think the last time we were at half a million, so we've gotten another couple hundred thousand votes. Thank you all out there so much. We really appreciate it. And all of the BPs that we're voting for, I'm sure appreciate it as well. And uh, that brings up an interesting point as well about some of these unpaid BPs we were voting for. Do you wanna kind of explain that and flesh that out?
1: so yeah uh we we, we had our, our 30 block producer votes all, all picked out for the last few weeks now um whenever we had to to finalize our last like four or five votes is very difficult because there's probably like 10 bps that we wanted to vote for but uh we knew this day would come where we have to start thinking about how do we rotate these votes we don't want to just lo- have these 30 bps and and ha- ha- not let anyone else in because we want to keep it competitive someone who's not in our, our, our 30 votes we want them to keep wanting to come in Um, but what happened recently is I think at least five of our block producer votes have fallen out of paid BP positions so it's a very difficult position that we're in because you don't want to kick someone while they're down but whenever there are millions of votes from a paid position it's almost like our votes aren't being uh, used as effectively as they could. So we, we had internal discussions at the, with the everything ES Proxy, which is myself, Rob Finch, Peter K, Mark Woods, and and, and Jay Peterson, uh, who's probably in the chat right now. Um, so we had to make these decisions and, and we didn't take it lightly, um, but we also wanted to bring in a, a, a Korean block producer. We realized after... Um, finalizing our list i mean we knew whenever we were going through the last couple votes but we did not have any representation from korea and it's something we are definitely incentivized to do because uh bitum if you guys haven't uh caught the news a couple months ago they started um mentioning how they wanted to start voting uh do you remember the the percentage of the total uh eos tokens in the ecosystem that bitum actually holds Rob? Uh,
0: I, I want to say it's about 5%. I think it's about 50 million total tokens, uh, somewhere along there, 40 to 50 million. So it looks like recently, and this was uh, brought to our attention by Joe Lewis. So a huge shout out to Joe if you're out there listening. Um, Bithum has recently actually divided 30 million votes. This is an addition to the 5 million that they already prox- proxied to Brock Pierce's proxy. Um, they divided 30 million Bithum votes across 18 accounts. So it'll be interesting to see what they're planning on doing with those, if they're going to vote those, maybe send some to some different proxies, or um, you know, maybe they'll start a proxy of their own. Who knows? So I- mm-hmm. I'm just happy to see more votes moving, more people getting out and engaging on chain.
1: Yeah, so knowing the situation with BitHum, uh, we want to have an impact in, in governance in the IO ecosystem. BitHum's number one goal is to have representation of, of Korean uh, block producers and DApps, and it's not like we're reaching on Node One. Node One is a Genesis block producer who helped organize the EOS community conference at launch, which many of the block producers were at and attended, and they're also um, one, of, one of the sponsors for the upcoming community conference, the second one coming up in yeah. rio in october which I, i'm still i'm 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 still undecided on that i'm very close to making a decision i'm probably 90 percent going but th- there are a few things um that that, that might make that not happen uh, i'll update everyone yeah. on that but uh um, I, let's let's give the rio conference a shout out though because that doesn't mean everyone else can't go if i can't go um what, i don't have the dates in front of me i didn't plan to talk about this i should have
0: that's all right. One of the, the big things BitHum or not BitHum, excuse me, Node 1 has done recently, they were actually the ones that went out there and convinced BitHum to vote and proxy oh. those votes to Brock Pierce. So that's a, a big part of the reason why we that's voted huge. as well in uh, getting that exchange out there to vote. Um, some more news also though, coming from EOS Apologist, who is a pretty cool video creator from within the EOS community. He put out a video recently, I believe this was last week, um, talking about how he's signing off on video development, but for a very good reason. He's actually going to be focusing on developing dApps on EOS and taking all of that time that he used to put into videos and instead diverting that into actual dApp development. So we wanted to take this time to just give a huge shout out to EOS Apologist. Wish him the best of luck in his upcoming dApps. And uh, we can't wait to see what he ends up building.
1: Awesome. Uh, someone's saying they hear a lot of noise. All right, anyway, um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, see if it's my audio. I don't know. Let, let us know in the chat if there's anything wrong with the audio. I haven't been I haven't been watching the live chat to get any feedback. Um, yeah. The reason we wanted to bring up the uh, EOS apologist is one he he's, he makes cool videos. I, I always enjoy them. Is the if you don't know him by name, he's the one that used like the computer generated voice and the robot guy in the videos. The like real futuristic ones. Yeah. He's a great content creator, but. I, I've seen people like talking in the chats because they just read the headline and heard that he was leaving and they didn't actually watch. It was just a two minute video, guys. But no one watched the video where at the end he says it's because he. he you
0: won, won- turn your, your mic down a bit if you can. It's the gain, I think.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll just back up from it while I'm talking here. But I just wanted to say um that they didn't watch the actual video. They, they probably, I, because at the end he specifically says uh, it's because of it dApps. And I, I think the reason it was a big deal to people is because uh, EOS Weekly also hasn't been making videos, but uh, Chris, he's, he works in like product development, like this, yeah. that wasn't his job. And he told me he <laughs> spent like 40 hours a week on those things. And as much as we wow. want to see him back, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, focused on real life. He's not out of the ecosystem either, it's just, I don't know. Uh, thanks, EOS Apologist. Uh, DM us if you want any help ever, if you're working on any projects. Uh, we enjoyed your content. Uh, now, let's get into oh, the boy. bullish news. Rob, why don't you kick yeah. it off while I figure out this microphone problem?
0: So, this is super exciting. So, we've all talked about Peter Thiel before and his investment in Block One, but we've also kind of skimmed over the fact that there are other billionaire investors that invested in Block One as well. And today we're going to focus on one of them. His name is Alan Howard. And there's a a new piece came out on Cointelegraph. He also was talking to the Financial Times, Um, but essentially billionaire Alan Howard is eyeing a $1 billion crypto fund management venture. So essentially, Alan Howard has gone out. He and his people, um, (laughs) the the people that work for him, the the different analysts and things like that, have essentially identified a few different crypto hedge funds that they've done a ton of due diligence on that they think are incredibly legitimate. And they're putting together a billion dollar crypto fund that will then invest in all of these other sub crypto funds. So you can kind of think of it like you were saying before the podcast, Zach, it's kind of like an index fund for reliable, legitimate, um, sort of heavily vetted crypto funds that then his clients can get exposure to. But what's so interesting about this, you know, a lot of us know Alan Howard. He's this British billionaire hedge fund manager and the co-founder of Revan Howard Asset Management LLP. Um, To give you some insight on who he is, in February 2013, Forbes listed him as one of the 40 highest earning hedge fund managers in the world. And in 2014, he was on the UK's Sunday Times Rich List with a net worth of 1.35 billion dollars. So this guy has some serious money. He's worked with Peter Thiel before. He's worked with Louis uh, Louis Bacon before, which we may talk about on a future episode that both invested in Block One. But this new billion-dollar crypto hedge fund is not his first entrance into crypto. Obviously, he invested in Block One, but he also invested 182.5 million dollars into BACT. Which is coming up with a launch on September 23rd, the same day as the EOS mainnet upgrade, <laughs> uh, and Galaxy Digital invested in Bact as well. So it's just so cool to see more people uh, in the traditional finance space move into crypto and really sort of legitimize it as this emerging asset class.
1: I agree. Uh, I'm excited for Bact. So. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm jealous that you, on Bullish you get to talk about non EOS news, but backed I think does <laughs> affect EOS. We will tie it into EOS somehow, some way. Also, in the live chat, let us know if this is better on the audio. Uh, I'll try to fix if it's not. Um, but why don't, why don't you just
0: give the, the TLDL version uh, re- recap on, on what backed yeah. is, Rob? So Bact is a product from the Intercontinental Exchange, who are the owners of the New York Stock Exchange. Yes, that New York Stock Exchange, and they're launching Bact, which essentially will start by offering Bitcoin futures products. And obviously, Bitcoin futures exist right now on the CBOE, but the biggest difference here is that the CBOE futures are settled in cash and dollars, and the new Bact futures are actually settled in actual Bitcoin, which should help with price discovery, should help with liquidity. And it's really the first legitimate on-ramp for institutional investors who have different investment restrictions on who they can invest with to enter into crypto, starting, of course, with Bitcoin. So September 23rd should be a huge day for crypto, not just because Bact is launching, but also that EOS mainnet upgrade coming as well. But more liquidity, more institutional investors coming into Bitcoin is best for the entire ecosystem as well, as that sort of you know brings that money in and then funnels on down into other projects like EOS potentially as well. Well, so super exciting to see, and uh, huge congrats to BACT for finally getting all that regulatory approval to launch in September.
1: You still there, Zach? Yeah, I think I'm, I I was muting my mic because I thought I was getting feedback. Um, the other thing with BACT is uh, they had that uh, partnership going with Starbucks. One of their, uh, I don't yeah. know if they're invested in Starbucks or Starbucks invested with them, uh, but they want to, like, one of their early um, it, initiatives was they wanted to make crypt- crypto easily spendable at locations like Starbucks. And yeah. like, usually like the, like the meme is spend Bitcoin on a cup of coffee. But if Bact has like the liquidity and the exchange on the back end, all regulated, and on the front end, you have retailers like Starbucks introducing these payment solutions, uh, then, then we could assume w- with um, both Galaxy Digital and Alan Howard as major investors into Bact that whatever these services are that come to fruition are going to include EOS. And if they include EOS and if voice comes to fruition, which I'm not even going to make a guess on when that's going to be, hopefully by the end of this year, hopefully we see a testnet soon, but uh, it will happen. It it, it will happen, hopefully sooner rather than later, but when it does, if people are earning these voice tokens for some sort of UBI or for uh, having good content and getting voice tokens sent to them, you're going to want to spend those voice tokens. So because voice is going to have an immediate EOS voice trading pair on any decks using the EOS mainnet, you'll, you could convert to vo- or vo- voice to EOS and then through backed you're able to have that liquidity and, and be yeah. able to spend it at retail. Uh, all all yeah, this is being exciting. built. Uh, so the next year or two is going to be exciting with backed because I don't think it's going to have all these features on September 25th, but they're coming. So I'm, I'm bullish yeah. on backed.
0: Yeah, September 23rd, by the way. Right, so 20, least,
1: 23rd. Yeah. Um, thanks it's coming for that up. question. I mean, we're less,
0: less than a month away from that and the EOS mainnet upgrade. So exciting times ahead. This, uh, I guess tomorrow is September 1st, so it's going to be an exciting month for sure. Uh, yeah,
1: since we brought up Louis Bacon, I, we wanted to yeah. bring up Bloomer. You want to read the message from a while back, whenever uh, the Gallic, I think it was when Galaxy sold some of the B1 stock and there was FUD all around?
0: Yeah, so this is a message from Brendan Bloomer, CEO of Block One, back in May of this year. And he said, last year's buyback was to make room for new investors without unnecessarily inflating our balance sheet. This round included highly strategic shareholders such as Peter Thiel, Alan Howard, who we just discussed, and Louis Bacon, and was a very positive thing for the company. Then he goes on to say, this year's buyback is the first step of the same, and we also expect it will be another milestone for the company. All of this information, along with a lot of other material, was supplied to Alistair. But facts were chosen and arranged deceitfully. He's talking about something different, like an article there. Yeah, he was talking
1: about the Galaxy article, where they kind of made it look like a big FUD hit piece.
0: This um, brings up an interesting question, though, when he says this year's buyback is the first step of the same, who will the next big investors oh, in Block one be? Do you have any guesses know. or speculation on that, set. So, so
1: the, the reason I remember, Ash Oro posted a tweet speculating that, like, I, I don't know if he said B1 would invest in YubiKey or the other way around but that's what got me thinking about this and i remembered i was like oh yeah Bloomer said that they were they're buying back stocks that they could take on another big investor now i'm just w- wondering who, who that was and th- the reason this is all front in my mind was because um uh on the next topic i'm gonna bring up someone named lee schneider uh do you, you guys remember who lee schneider is rob do you remember who lee schneider is general yeah, counsel yeah. Of, block one.
0: General of block one
1: yeah so i i we often complain in the community, myself included, because we don't hear from Dan and Brendan as much as we would like to, because we we know they can't tell us everything they're doing, but it's nice to just hear some updates and know that they're alive, even though we know that they're working. But the general counsel of Block One, Lee Schneider, uh, he has his own crypto podcast called Appetite for Disruption. And I, I, I had this idea. I was like, I want to see what this guy's up to because I want to know what Block One's up to. And this guy's their yeah. general counsel, which is like their top lawyer. I, I think is that general counsel. Is that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's up there. Whatever. He's up there. They, he, he was, he's up there enough that he got a blog article when they hired him. All right. Uh, um, but he, he had two separate episodes back to back, a two-parter with, with the CEO of YubiKey. And it was a very interesting yeah, episode. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, we know YubiKey's working with Block One just because like they were on stage together. It's no surprise, but I am going to continue to speculate that I think this is bigger than any of us are, are thinking about. I, I don't yeah. know what exactly it is, but I, I think YubiKey and Block One are going to do some amazing stuff in the next year. I, I, Outside of Block block One's partnership with UbiKey, them alone are doing amazing things. So if if Block One could piggyback on that, that's huge. They have all this enterprise adoption from like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, everybody.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. If you guys wanna listen to that, by the way, just search Appetite for Disruption on your uh, favorite podcast app. I'm looking at it on iTunes right here, right now.
1: mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah, so I I think that there's more to it than that. And I've brought this up before. I I met the guy from one of the guys from YubiKey in San Fran back in April at the EOS World Expo. And he was so bullish on on like YubiKey identity and like block one and like, I I didn't understand why he was so excited about it, but he's like a a cryptography like nerd, which is fine. He's a smart guy, but I couldn't understand it. And it leads me to believe that it's bigger than any of us like, Phoenix you were there you were there Phoenix you could you could vouch for it tell us in the chat what he told you Uh, But I think there's more to this um, YubiKey stuff Um,
0: Let's just jump into the next one because I I have more stuff with Lee Schneider in the next topic definitely so the blocksburg summit which is happening in blacksburg virginia this november 10th to 12th is something we've been talking about and teasing for a while and we finally got a tweet from virginia tech computer science saying that it's happening for sure um, and that registration will open in early september so obviously zach and i will try to be there Um, it should be a cool event and speaking of lee schneider he is one of the people that's tentatively booked along with sec commissioner hester pierce who is very bullish on crypto dan larimer that we all know and love Amy Devine Kim, who is the global policy director and general counsel at the Chamber of Digital Commerce, and uh, there was a teaser for Hokey Chain as well, which was one of the projects that was built in that Virginia Tech blockchain hackathon earlier uh, this man, year. Oh
1: man, you just ran now. through those bullet points, Rob, uh, he's he's uh, Without it. context, yeah, I, I got to add some context here. So, uh, I don't, I don't think they launched their website yet. This is like, these were confirmed guests as of like two weeks ago from a, a contact of mine. Uh, and they, I, I think they, should, since they made this tweet, uh, it looks like August 29th, uh, they should be like launching the website, which will have like all the pictures of the speakers and stuff like your typical conference site. Um, but, but it's exciting because they, there's this budding relationship between Block One and Virginia Tech. And we've been talking about it for a year and a half now. And I, I still think so many people are underestimating this. Um, it's like a huge computer science school. It's in the same city as as, as Block One, and uh, you mentioned Hokey Chain. So yeah. Hokey Chain, from, from the information I have, they're going to be—I don't know if they're one of the presenters or one of the guests or whatever—but Hokey Chain is a project that was actually built by one of the student teams in the semester-long hackathon challenge at Virginia Tech during the whole spring semester, which Block One offered mentorship the whole way through. Um, and is basically an EOSIO based I, I, uh, blockchain system for like payments and like uh, student IDs on the Virginia Tech campus. Uh, I have a little mock-up here for you guys, uh, if you want to see it. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think like block one posted this or the Hokie Chain team published this, but since I was in contact with all of these student teams, uh, shout out to J and W and the blockchain boys, yeah. hey, the, the winners, uh, yeah. we we're in touch with these teams. So we, I actually got to see some of the demos, like after after the, the the finale, whenever they got judged and stuff, some of them sent me their pitch decks, their, their videos. And this is a screenshot from their demo. It's about a minute, 20 minutes. I'm not gonna play it here because I didn't actually have time to get permission to even show you this uh, screenshot. Uh, but they were on the schedule of events that, that I was told was tentative as of two weeks ago. So leads me to believe that Virginia Tech's going to be adopting some sort of uh, ESIO implementation which which is really cool you, yeah. like, you it, it, it it's growing uh, one last thing I wanted to mention is uh, you want, you want to mention the Amazon thing like Virginia Tech al- yeah. also has really tight Amazon partnerships and this is not block one this is what Virginia Tech has Virginia Tech is working with block one and Virginia Tech is working
0: with Amazon uh, you want to mention the, the DC campus real quick? Yeah, I mean in addition to Block One building out that huge campus in Blacksburg and then obviously in DC, uh, another huge company, Amazon, is coming to Blacksburg as well, so they're building out a no, huge- in, in, in Washington
1: DC, they're, they're going to Washington DC, Amazon. Oh, I thought it was in Blacksburg. No, 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 no. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Amazon's in Washington DC, uh, Block One's moving to Washington DC, and they're also in Blacksburg, you
0: know. Uh, okay, I was under the impression a, that uh, Amazon was coming to Blacksburg as well. No,
1: uh, so so here's the situation. I'll, I'll just fill everyone in. We know block one is building or has built or launched, I don't even know, uh, Northern Virginia office outside Washington, DC. The Amazon second headquarters is also going to Washington, DC. And Virginia Tech is building a giant innovation campus in DC with partnerships uh, with Amazon. That, that's, that's what's okay, all going on. Sense. But they're all separate from each other. I, I'm just right. saying it, it's it's nice to be close to, to powerful friends. Uh, And the other thing I wanted to bring up, I'll pull this up on the screen. The guy in charge of the Virginia Tech blockchain project. He was the one who uh, was in charge of the hackathon all semester. He did the seminar back in January. He's a guy by the name of Kirk Cameron uh he's been at virginia tech for 14 years in one month and his role uh he's the head of research and engagement for all things corporate alumni blockchain and amazon so that is this guy's role he has a heavy hand in organizing this conference so beyond the guests i mentioned i don't know who else is going to be there at this moment in time but i i hope that uh maybe kirk can bring in some heavyweights from from the tech industry and they can hear dan larimer on stage for the uh i i I hope which would be the keynote but
0: we'll see Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, speaking of other exciting news, we have uh, some news from the EOSIO community as well. Uh, EOS New York and the Chintai team announced recently uh, this program called MINT. It stands for My Native Token, M-Y-N-T. And Essentially, it's an end-to-end service, they say, for deploying customizable token distribution events on EOSIO blockchains. So, you can kind of think of it the way EOS New York was describing it, it's kind of like a token in a box, where if you're an entrepreneur out there, you're launching this cool token project, there are really a lot of different steps you have to to, to sort of, a lot of different boxes you kind of have to check off from regulatory to technology to token contract audits to how are you going to distribute it? Um, Are you going to accept money in exchange for the tokens like the token generation event that like the DAP network is doing or Chintai is doing with the checks token? So essentially what they've done, it seems, is taken some of the those services and those products that they've built to use for themselves with Chintai and the checks token. And now they're kind of offering those services to others that need to do something similar on any EOSIO blockchain. So it's pretty cool. And I wanted to run through some of the features here as well. Uh, the features listed are token contract creation. So making that actual token contract and auditing it. Uh, airdrop and air grab functionality, which is cool. Not sure if they'll have uh, something like an air hodl that liquid apps does, but I'm sure it's something they could custom build. You have a choice of your token distribution format, whether you want it to be Uh, you know something like a checks token or maybe it's all at once like an ico Leasing capability is actually enabled for the token that you generate through Chintai, and they have a customizable front-end auction portal with KYC integration. If that's something that you require from a regulation standpoint, then they do things like optional server maintenance and automated EOSIO blockchain resource management, which I'm sure Chintai will be providing as well. So uh, it's pretty cool. What did you think about this announcement, Zach?
1: I, I think so. A big theme with everything we talk about is user onboarding, developer onboarding. How about business onboarding to tokenize their business? You have to make tokenizing yeah. a business easy. If you're a traditional business and you want to launch a token, then this service is perfect for you, I think. It's it's token in a box. Uh, the reason uh, Ethereum had so many ERC20 tokens is because they made it super easy and they had a cookie cutter contract that any everyone was using. It was audited and battle tested, so everyone trusted it. And we don't have that in EOS yet. And I, I, I think this is going to help. Uh, they have a very capable team with the EOS 42 and Shintai team backing it. Uh, so, so I know they're capable. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited for, for business onboarding. I'm not even gonna say DAP onboarding because you don't have to have a DAP to have a token necessarily. So I, I think this is great for any business or, or DAP, I'll say, or application that wants to add a token. Th- this this it looks like a very turnkey option, um, and it, it's going to pair very well with Shintai 2.0 and, and what they're doing they're with at. checks, because like this resource management stuff they they have going on, it, it sounds super innovative. It's basically outsources your resources if you're a DAP, so you don't have to worry about it. They they buy as much or as little uh, CPU and RAM as you need, um, and they're going to be extending that service to their new DAPS. So they're going to onboard a DAP for a token and they're probably gonna onboard them also for for these resource services. And uh, I don't know, I I think it's just great for onboarding. And I'm excited for Shintai 2.0, I I have not, I didn't see it this morning whenever I was going through the notes one last time, but I saw a blog article on Shintai's blog that said Shintai 2.0 would be launching on the testnet in August. And today's the last day of August, and I haven't seen it yet, so that means it's either coming today or just probably very soon, and they're probably rushing to get this thing out on the testnet, but I'm excited for Shintai 2.0. Definitely,
0: yeah. I'm hoping uh, it'll be on the testnet soon and we can all try it out, but uh, obviously the Shintai service that's up now, uh, anybody can go use. But what's exciting also, um, there's another interesting project that Fred Krueger from Lynx is working on. Obviously Lynx started out with just a wallet, um, but after a little while, Fred decided he's gonna launch a, a project, an EOSIO chain called Lynx Chain. And it has some interesting features, like built-in avatars. You have custom short names. Um, It seems like a very gaming-focused chain. And Fred tweeted a couple different video demos of a game called Bomb Sweeper that was on chain, and then showing how the wallet worked as well. So uh, if you're interested, follow Fred Krueger on Twitter or uh, the Lynx Wallet account as well. Uh, It should be pretty interesting. And we'll keep you guys updated here. What, what's so interesting about all these EOSIo sidechains is that you know, if somebody comes up with a unique and innovative idea, it's very, very easy generally for us to then implement that on the mainnet. A good example being the three-second live time on Boss that now some people are working on actually implementing into the mainnet to have faster transaction finality. So that's pretty cool. Looking forward to that. And then uh, some interesting news also from Token Pocket where Token Pocket obviously got neutered by Apple because Apple has a new requirement when it comes to DAP browsers that for every single dApp that you auto-populate in a dApp browser, they have to have their own unique Apple Developer ID. So while it's still possible to have something like Token Pocket with a thousand different dApps in the App Store, unfortunately, it's a, a real pain for them to go around to each individual developer and get all their developer ids so that they comply with apple's rules so what they've done instead is they've launched sort of a basic version of token pocket where you can send tokens you can do resource management you can vote all those different things and now they have what they're calling token pocket pro which sort of goes around the app store and allows you to install it directly on your device and still get that dap browser so if you're like me and you use token pocket check out token pocket pro uh, i highly recommend it it's a, a great way to keep these new daps right on your iPhone
1: and I, I just want to add some context. You, they did uh, Token Pocket did get neutered, but they're the last to get neutered. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I used to use Lynx exclusively, but I had all the other wallets. And, and then what, Lynx was the first to get neutered and comply. So they got rid of their dApp store. And then I, I, I didn't try and meet one, but I, I think they got taken down. And then I was exclusively using token pocket for the last couple weeks here. And now now they got neutered, but now uh, you can get the pro version through test flight. So everything is good in the world. And uh, do you think other wallets will follow suit to get around uh, these limitations with the app store? It's actually a really good idea.
0: I think, you know, there's gonna be two people. There's gonna be people that go through the time and effort to contact each individual app developer and have them make an, an Apple developer ID. That way Apple has somebody to hold accountable if a DAP breaks the rules. But I think a lot of people will just go this route and sort of say, hey, you know, install it on your device using TestFlight. Obviously, the user experience of getting that wallet on your phone is much, much worse than just being able to search it on the App Store. You have to go into your settings and change a couple things, but uh, ultimately, it's good that they can still support that and don't have to just sort of cut out iPhones at all. And of course, on Android, uh, you're not affected at all. They don't have the same rules over there. Uh, so that's pretty
1: much our, our news. I, I got yeah. strung up at the beginning whenever I, I was talking about uh, Liquid Apps a little bit. I, I, I think I said something about the interview with Tal, but I, oh, really? I really want everyone watching. If, if you want to, without knowing anything about Liquid Apps, if you just want to learn about the CTO, Tal Miscal, like we did this 50 minute like, podcast that I released earlier this week. It turned out super well. It's been getting uh, great comments and everything. And I just want everyone to watch it because these are the people working on EOSIO. Like everyone wants to look at price and complain. It's a bear market, things are quiet. But there are very talented people building really, really innovative things. And Tal Muscal is a freaking genius. I look up to the guy. He's one of the biggest reasons I I, I am uh, with Liquid Apps. Uh, But there's other people that are are equally as talented. I know like Icon, I I can't remember his name. He's like the excellent Microsoft guy. The Shintai team has has incredible experience. But if you guys, if I could make a recommendation, please watch this interview uh, and you will I don't know. I just want to say watch it uh, exactly. because I'm super impressed with I spent a lot of time editing that thing <laughs> and uh, I just want people to watch it because I, I am proud of my work i just want to say and i hope you guys enjoy it and
0: absolutely i've I'm been watching uh, that this weekend as well it's on my I, list, so i've I'm been enjoying Sunday.
1: everything rob's been putting out i still don't know what you're putting out for monday but uh <laughs> you've had a busy week with uh the new world of warcraft uh, episode. Yeah. uh
0: what is it release yeah i've been living in uh azeroth for the last week basically with the wow classic launch got a bunch of my friends together and we basically played the entire week and met up with a bunch of old online friends so it was an awesome time and as a teaser for Monday's episode of Bullish. Uh, we'll have something to do with the virtual worlds. World of Warcraft will come up as well. So uh, I think that's it for the episode. If you're here with us, you made it the whole way. Remember to smash that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, of course, if you want to get Bullish with me, tune in Monday, search Bullish on your favorite podcast app and subscribe, and you can catch that new episode there Monday. So uh, I think that's it for today. I'm Rob Finch.
1: I'm Zach Go. And this
0: is, is Everything EOS. Go use. Leave a go Eos in the chat. We'll see you next time.